everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today we're talking with Emilia Yang. Emilia Yang uh, is a she, her, hers pronounced, is an activist, artist, feminist, and researcher, director of AMA Inolvida Museum of Memory Against Impunity. She's also a member of Asociación Madres de Abril. She's currently working on her PhD in media and art at USC School of Cinematic Art. Well, welcome, Emilia. Welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ali, and thank you for giving the space to different Central American voices. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's an honor for me to not only talk to Central America, but for people that are working and creating spaces for others. And of course, like uh, where we're going to talk today is about the museum um, and how important it is. And for me, April since 2018, it changed. Like I, I'm not in Nicaragua myself. But I, I saw the entire insurrection that happened. So after that, when once I started the podcast, I made a commitment that every April I was going to dedicate fully on Nicaragua uh, because I felt like outside, many people don't know and many people sometimes don't care of the of all the injustice that happened that April and that still continue until today. And what was the huge impact that had, you know, on other people's lives and how many lives were lost. So I really appreciate your work and everything that you do, you know? Um, so without further ado, I, for those that might not know or not might be familiar with, you know, what happened on April, 2018 in Nicaragua, can you just give us a, like a little brief of what happened? Yeah, it's kind of hard to summarize, but I'll yeah. do my best. <laughs> well, um, Hundreds, on April 2018, hundreds of thousands of Nicaraguans took to the street to protest an unpopular reform to social security system. It was first like the elderly, who uh, their pensions were reduced in this reform, with the students from public universities who took to the street. And what happened is that the police forces opened fire against demonstration and they were always like many reports have said that they always shot uh, like to kill basically mm -hmm. like thorax and head mm -hmm. and they killed um, over 300 people in three months. Mm -hmm. And this generated a lot of terror in the population, mm -hmm. but also a lot of indignation and bravery. And there's, I have to highlight that there has been precedent to this kind of repressive mm -hmm. and violent actions in Nicaragua, like in smaller scale against feminist mobilizations. There was this um, event in 2013 that was called Occupines, mm -hmm. where also young people and elders got together to protest for getting pensions. Well, this is the social security system here it's basically mm -hmm. broke so it's always like a very contentious topic mm -hmm. and they were heavily repressed too in 2013 and then the movimiento campesino against the interoceanic canal were always heavily repressed when they mobilized but it was like just to this like uh people that were like in forefront of these struggles the ones that received the violence but mm -hmm. in 2018 it was like 
more generalized, more urban populations. And as you imagine, like the violence was not equally distributed mm-hmm. among the different bodies and classes. It was always the most marginalized and precarized like bodies, mm-hmm. the ones on the front lines receiving the violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you said, I'm a scholar also. I, I was studying the States um, and I finished my quals, which is like these exams that you have to mm-hmm. make in order to prove you're an expert. <laughs> and I got to Nicaragua in April in the midst of everything. And I want to tell you a little bit of my like personal experience. Mm-hmm. So like you can get people get a sense of what how it was. But like basically I arrived and I hit the ground and start doing what everybody was doing, which was humanitarian work, like mm-hmm. bringing food, water supplies, medicines to protesters, to people who were in the streets. And then I was doing like artistic interventions in the streets um, about the memory of the victims, because mm-hmm. it was like the first, one of the things that I realized is like the first victims we could remember their names and like we Mm -hmm. were like oh wow like they killed the first one but then when Mm -hmm. it started up to 30 Mm -hmm. like more than 30 it was hard to like keep count of all these lives Mm -hmm. uh so we did some interventions and that was in april and in may basically the students the Mm -hmm. public university students occupied the universities Mm-hmm. And the government attacked their occupations and people in other places in the country, mm-hmm. uh, like Monimbo, Masaya, um, in Hinotega, in Carazo, mm-hmm. in Esteli, they rose up in solidarity and blocked the streets. And so you mm-hmm. imagine this country fully paralyzed, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like the count, it was like 700 barricades around the country in every city you couldn't enter or exit because the whole country was like in in disobedience mm-hmm. and it was like most like peaceful like a type mm-hmm. of disobedience but people were defending their communities because the government what would they do what they did is they would send this uh paramilitary forces that they mm-hmm. organized to kind of like instill terror so people won't be on the streets organizing or like doing things. Mm -hmm. And during that May, basically, they created this paramilitary army, mostly Mm -hmm. with retired war ex-combats from like the 80s, Mm. that they had been, actually all these older people were like relegated by the Sandinista Mm -hmm. party. And this gave them basically a new mission to just Mm -hmm. go and kill young people. And they launched what it was called Operation Cleanup. That's how mm-hmm. they call it. To clean up the barricades and the people that were defending the barricades mm-hmm. in the months of May, June, and July. And they mm-hmm. killed hundreds of people. And this is what it's amounted to. More, it's more than 300 people. But the, mm-hmm. in, um, the, it's the independent group of experts, the HIA, mm-hmm. which was the one one of the groups that the Organization of American States designated to come and do like a mission. Uh, they said that it was 325, but they were kicked out of Nicaragua. So they couldn't finish mm-hmm. like their actual like mm-hmm. archive, like, you know, like counting mm-hmm. 
of the things. And what they said is that the Nicaraguan government, with all the denounces that they received, is that the Nicaraguan government, their actions uh, could be uh, characterized as crimes against humanity Mm -hmm. with a pattern of conduct that includes extreme use of force, extrajudicial executions, disappearance, obstruction to medical care. There were some cases that they would close the doors of the hospitals to Mm -hmm. the wounded, which was so cruel, and as well as torture and sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had to leave the country. More than 100,000 people had to flee uh, for different places, mostly Costa Rica, to save their lives. And currently, there's still 100 people in jails, political prisoners. And there's like many media and human rights organizations that their office are confiscated and that they cannot operate. So basically, we're living in like a state of exemption. Like mm-hmm. it's like completely authoritarian, but there's no protest because the government doesn't let people to put a foot on the streets. And if you try, they will take you to jail or they would like send like troops to like disband you, but like very violently. So nobody's been able since Mother's March, which was May 30th of mm-hmm. 2018, nobody has been able to protest again. And the other cruel thing that the government did that it concerns me more is that they denied the existence of victims of state violence and denied the right to mourn. And like uh, people would put like crosses mm-hmm. on like public spaces, and we did like some like memory marks, mm-hmm. and they would violently like rip them apart. They threw like oil on it, like what? so they didn't do not allow it for like that public mourning. And I saw like that urgency, and the other reason that I got involved is because my uncle was assassinated on June 26th, while he was uh, passing a barricade that was controlled by paramilitaries. So I became part of this organization that is called Asociación Madre de Abril, AMA. And together, what we're trying to do is organize all the victims to demand justice and to demand clear investigations, to demand like truth, and also integral reparations. Um, and also we're organizing around memory, which is uh, the work of the museum. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. I, first, I'm so sorry for, you know, your uncle. And it's it's just like what you were explaining this, you know, like I have been reading and, you know, there's book, there's people that I have talked and they have explained this. But knowing that you can even mourn the loss, you know, like till this day, you know, we're like in 2021. You know what? How many years? Like three years after, you still cannot do that. So the people, I, mm-hmm. sorry, when people go to like the cemeteries, there's police, mm-hmm. and if you want to do like a mass, like just commemorating, they would have police outside, so not let you the community join, because they see like acts of mourning as political organizing. So acts of mourning as political organizing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm speechless because it's like, I feel like 
it's it's not even a, like it, it is a human right, but as a distancy as a human that lost someone who you love, you know, many people lost their kids, you lost your uncle, like they lost, you know, someone close to them. The least they can do is to let you mourn that person. And I Dios mio. I know for me, it, for it, us it was like also speechless because even in war, you know, like mm -hmm. during wars, there's like codes for that. Mm -hmm. They let people like cry their deaths. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in this case, they were so cruel about it, and they haven't let people be uh, have like the process of mourning. Wow, and like, um, I mean, I, I don't even want to ask about like the bodies, you know, like like you said, there has been so many people who was disappear or people who like are in jail still. You said like there's a lot like, around like a hundred still in jail, which that surprised me. Like you know, it's like it's been three years, you know, um, and like just for what they were standing for, like what they were fighting for, you know, like, um, and, and here in the show, we have talked to many others who have fled, you know, to other countries. And it's still so sad because like, what, like, you know, it's, I, I don't know how to put it in, like in, in, in words, but it's like, they fled. yeah, you know, like, It's frustrating. They fled for, you know, for their own safety, but they still have family over there. You know, um, there's so many, like you said, there's so many people in Costa Rica and, you know, they're so close, but you cannot do nothing trying to like be with your family because if you go there, like you're going to be categorized, I don't know, like criminal or like what they think it is or and then one of the things talks that I have with one of my friends that I was talking to you is that you guys cannot even have a Disney, like something that relates to your country like um she was explaining how like the flag was seen as something bad like the own flag of your country like well it's like it's just for me it's crazy that it has been three years and It, it, this is the this is the reason why I I often try to talk with Nicaraguans because it's like people that might have been aware of what happened to 2018 might not know that is till this day is still bad that maybe you're not seeing the level of you know um, of killings or that was brought by you guys you know because it was in the media it wasn't not like big outlets it was honestly people on twitter sharing videos with their phones you know um but till today many people have been oh yeah that happened to us in 18 but like no like we actually need to work and have something to this not happening again and for you guys to have like a sense of mourning to you, to the people and some type of justice, you know, but like, I, I'm speechless. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's just frustrating me. Like I was telling you before and just believing that this has happened throughout this time. And he's still there. He still have this type of belief and other people still supports those beliefs and there's people cannot go visit, you know, because they were like categorized for, no sé, like, like, um, like a threat, you know, there's people who mm -hmm. has not gone visit Nicaragua because of the work that they have done outside of the country that they are going to be categorized like that. 
Yeah, and criminalized probably mm -hmm. because they pass all these laws in which even if you like assert any claim on the internet, you are like inciting violent and terrorist acts. There's like a gag law. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry. And then this not only affects, you know, the country, like, you know, everyone like the lives there, but it, when I, I'm just going to make like, you, you know how you said it before. Um, I think you told me before recording um, that you were starting doing humanitarian work, right? When you, when you got there to Nicaragua. So Because of all these laws that they have passed, uh, one of the things that I like, it honestly got me so confused, especially in November last year, is how people from here couldn't help Nicaraguans who lost almost everything, if not everything, during the hurricanes. Like, and when people in Nicaragua tried to help, there were like parallel militaries there. And it's like helping people who lost everything, you know, like, a veces yo digo, o sea, si no vas a ayudar, quítate. But like... Yeah, solidarity is also criminalized because they also see it as a political organizing. I know it's kind of somber. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to process and like it does make me mad, you know, like it does make me mad of, of the fact that, you know, And it makes me more mad knowing that there's some people like, oh, yeah, eso pasa en Nicaragua. Like, no, it's not, oh, yeah, eso pasa en Nicaragua. Like, it's still continue. And there's still not justice for it. And we shouldn't be letting that happen, not even in Nicaragua or everywhere, you know, because what is in, 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 in if you, we go back of the idea of the Sandinistas, like, they're doing the same thing that they fought for so many times, you know? So I just... I'm going to try to contain myself, but yeah. Um, one of the things that I, you know, going back to the museum, because this is a very touching museum. Like I went through all the archives and it's like, please to everyone who listened this please, I'll really, really recommend you guys to go visit, support this museum. But Amai Nolvi is a museum of memory against impunity. And in the English version launch on November, right? Okay. Yeah. So, We know the importance of the Museum of Memory, of, you know, having those facts of archives for future uh, generation and for history. Uh, but why is it so important to have it in English? Mm -hmm. Well, we thank you for recommending it. And maybe we can add the mm -hmm. link to the description. Yeah, yeah so everything will be. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Everything share. will be linked. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so the museum, what it does is that it recuperates like the memories of state violence mm -hmm. with a human rights approach to dignify the victims because, as you said, mm -hmm. the government dehumanizes all the victims, telling them all these kind of names that I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not going to repeat. And um, it's also to challenge the climate of impunity that mm -hmm. they want to install. And it consists of a web-based archive mm -hmm. that hosts more than 200 video interview testimonials, a photographic archive of each victim, memory objects of victims that the, were owned by victims, and these maps that every family of victims made that geolocalized the 
mur- how the murders happened. So like whenever the person left their house, where they were killed, where they were taken afterward, if they were taken to like a hospital or like this mm-hmm. makeshift medical place, uh, when they were buried, the wake, everything. We mapped them and we turned them into digital maps to have like more like a sense of like the places of where the killings happen in each territory. Mm-hmm. And we um, created this exhibition that was open in, uh, during the months of October, uh, November and December of 2018 and had to close because there was... Uh, it was too dangerous, as I mentioned you, mm-hmm. the repression spiked, and there was always like paramilitary groups outside chasing people that visit the museum. And that's one of the reasons we tried to do it in English, mm-hmm. because to reach other audiences. And we also have like a set of like, we're launching this April like this mixed reality component, this, the museum in the format of a book that is going to have like this AR thing. And we're also going to do like a virtual reality thing. And we're doing all these like podcasts and educational campaigns. And I think like the main reason about why we're pushing it to English audiences. And as you mentioned, is because there's still a lot of confusion about what happened in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who had sympathy with Sandinismo has had a really hard time recognizing the the turn of events that this mm-hmm. guerrilla movement had. Uh, how can they, after they topple a dictator and were recognized in the world as like this socialist experiment, how did they turn into another dictatorship in this century? It's like, I know it's mm-hmm. really confusing. And uh, I think this outreach that we're doing, it would also help us like build solidarity with movements mm-hmm. in the U.S. that are demanding for just for justice against state violence. Mm-hmm. I think it's important also to build solidarity among uh, movements and across the world, but especially like U.S. You know, like there's like the migrant uh, community mm-hmm. that are basically a lot of people that have flee violence. So Mm -hmm. like, how do we also, uh, they can also have this resource and like, Mm -hmm. uh, even for, even if they need like expert testimony for their cases, like this, the museum shows a lot of information about what happens in the process. And I think it is important and it is important for like any type of progressive left, Mm -hmm. if there's a left, Mm -hmm. uh, to to support this type of resistance and Mm -hmm. that there can be like a popular power that is not that revolutionary subject, Mm -hmm. like anti-capital, anti-empire that the the Sandinistas uh, fought for, but there can be other types like Mm -hmm. feminist solidarity. And like, I think... It is important in many levels to have mm-hmm. this in English. And I, I hope it reaches uh, a larger audience. And as you said, people understand what happened in Nicaragua in 2018 and what continues to happen now. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and maybe the last thing I'm going to add on that is that we're going through elections yeah. this year, mm-hmm. supposed elections, mm-hmm. because we know that they will not concede. Power does not concede. Uh, but we have to pressure them in any way possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the type of work we're doing, um, sharing this, the victim testimonies, sharing what we could gather in this under these conditions. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can pressure uh, communities like in Nicaragua communities in other places can organize and also pressure, put mm-hmm. some pressure there. Yeah. And, you know, you, you touch a very good point because it's like um, many people who like, you know, still support the Sandinista movement here in the United States, there have been kind of like confusion, you know, or like acceptance of what happened. Um, and then I feel like uh, one of the things that I like is, you know, not only like you guys have been in English, but it's so detailed. It's so detailed that for me, when I was going through that, like at one point I was like, oh God, you know, like it feels like you're there. You know, it, 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 you see the victims, the picture you have separated by like the places, um, the items, like testimony. It's so detailed and it's like, okay, this is, you know, like, yeah, this is what we need. This is what we need for someone to show. Like, you see, this is happened. It's not like something that, you know, that they think that the media wants to create or what they, people, because I have heard like, oh, you know, people over there in Nicaragua, are trying to make this and I'm like no they're not like stop or you know and yeah it's true what you said how you know why people have the mentality of like oh what happened for this party or this movement that out of the sun and just turn and I tend to say like power and money change people because while they fought years ago might not be the same thing right now you know, they, they did, you know, like maybe, like maybe, like I said, maybe before that was a good thing. You know, they were, they were trying to do something good. I don't know, but the power and the people, um, the money change people. And we have seen it so many times that like now we can see it more than clear in Nicaragua and knowing that, you know, you guys are going through elections. Um, I think we have like, um, Honduras también está going through elections, so it's like, oh, you know, like you, you, you know that the elections are not gonna be, you know, the solution and yeah. type of change. Exactly, because whoever ends up in power are going to continue follow what had happened before, even if there's like a minor change, because they still want to stay there. Um, so is. Uh, it's very important. I for me, like I, I I saw it in English, and I was like I was looking if it was in Spanish, but I was like, I figured out that that was a physical one. Um, but then, you know, I think that the good part of having it in English is not only to reach more people, but at the same time, is for those who might not want to include Nicaragua in a conversation, because Nicaragua is often seen as you know. A left side, like nobody wants to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, socialist. You know, exactly. 
exactly. Like when people refer to Nicaragua and even Venezuela, they're like, oh, they're socialists. They're like this and that. Like they don't even want to talk about, they don't even want to research. They don't want to even read about. Um, but what about like, you know, the, the other countries that are like derecha, por ejemplo, right? They're still doing bad things, but you know, like still people don't care. But in the case of Nicaragua, I have felt that, you know, people don't want to touch those topics because it's, it's a, you know, it's derecha izquierda. It's uh-huh, mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. having it, I'm sorry, having it in English, I think it will let other people know that even in countries socialists that might, you know, um, uh, people here in the U.S. might be like, oh, you know, like, well, they don't want help from the United States, right? Like, I personally think that, you know, it's not what you guys are asking. It's asking for just the, you know, like, the minister, just justice. Like, having, you know, um, this story is out and make sure people know this and make sure, like, it doesn't happen again and make sure whoever created this atrocities, you know, paguen por lo que hicieron. The simple, you know, like it's not intervention. It's not nothing out of the normal. Of course, it is. It's going to come from push from communities, from Nicaraguan communities, and those so those that you know feel so solidarity. But it's like if we're going to have the continue the conversation of Nicaragua's or the socialism, like and then change the page. No, because those countries, are, for me, are the ones that the most need it. Yeah, and I agree. And a lot of people would say that Nicaragua hasn't had socialist policies. Like, it has mm-hmm. continued, like, the neoliberal policies and programs. Mm-hmm. It has continued collaborating with the U.S. as a migratory, like, wall. It has... They have like an army base, like across mm-hmm. that they have collaborated with the U.S. government. So it's not like they're mm-hmm. like very anti-imperialist or very mm-hmm. anti-capitalism. Everything is the same. They just mm-hmm. like in discourse, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think also it's also important to highlight um, that sometimes people can be in discourse, but not in practice. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we could also try to tell people that are that. I know complicates things mm-hmm. because, you know, discourse structures life mm-hmm. and <laughs> structures understanding. But there's governments that take advantage and say, like, we work for the poor, but they're not, they're more interested in remaining in power than mm-hmm. where people thriving, for example. Exactly. It's so true what you said. It's so true. And it's, um, I feel like when I, I know people always try to put like, oh, the U.S. imperialism, the capitalism, the neoliberal things, um, which is, you know, it's a good conversation. It's something that we still in Central America and we need to work on because it has a lot of impact in our in, in our territory, like in, in our region. Um, but at the same time, it's like, but you cannot, no te puedes hacer como se llama, taparte el ojo. El pendejo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exacto. Um, a lo que está haciendo, and you I know. I can like, be also like anti-imperialist and anti-capitalist yeah. and against any type of authoritarianism. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes that complexity mm-hmm. you know, um, is what gets. Yeah. One time confused. when I was like on April um april yeah on april 18 2018 um one of my best friend was telling me like oh my god the united states needs to go in and fix all this right and i look like i i remember telling him like look one the united states will not go in 
si no tienen algún interés. Point blank, you know, they will not go. Second of all, it's not the right answer. And then she kept telling me, and I was like, it's not the right answer. We don't need countries to come and fix us. You know what I mean? We don't need that. We need from us to have at least trust in the government, but in this case, we can't. But we just need to work together to get to, what's it called? Make those spaces available for us to have, like, just basic human human rights, you know? Like, and for those organizations mm-hmm. outside of, you know, Central America that they can continue to say, oh, yeah, pues hubo abuso de... Um, you know, derechos humanos, derechos humanos. But like you guys, you guys continue saying it. And, and I mean, at the same time, you guys don't do nothing. You still, uh, like, la prueban a este gobierno, le dan dinero, lo que sea, you know? You still mm-hmm. support to, to military support, you know, for example. And that's not doing anything. So I think that also, it comes to in the conversation when you like, yeah, you know, we can talk about anti-imperialism, anti-everything. But like, there's other people who like wants them, but they don't see that it's kind of like the same circle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I wanted to ask you is that, I mean, the the museum, like it, even the graphics and everything. I I give everyone who work on it props because I was crying <laughs> because I was like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like it, it. I mean, you said you can remember the vix the first victims but keeping count or so many you might have lost you know and there's so many that i probably didn't know or you know um but why is so important to have access to this archive and how can we create spaces to bring awareness to the issue that have led to the loss of innocent lives and this is not only in the context but i think if we could put like many instances or many things that have happened throughout the region. How is this so important and then we should continue making it? Yeah, definitely. I think these are very important questions. I think whenever archives are made, there should be like these questions of how are they made, who owns them, and who do they serve? Mm-hmm. And in our case, uh, the ones we made were made by the Association uh, Madres de Alid, by all the mm-hmm. participants. It was like very participatory and collaboratory. And we also figure out like how does the community wants to remember? How do we mm-hmm. organically do? And we do it mm-hmm. through altars. And that's why we have like the concept of altars throughout the museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like who owns them? It, they are like property, right? of the organization, mm-hmm. even though we are leaving it open for people to use it, to create more things, to do our works, to do invest like research mm-hmm. and do other things. They're still of the community. And I think it is important. Um, and we, how we did it, it's also important in the sense that we don't show, we decided to not show, we have the, like the human rights, like the actual deaths, like the mm-hmm. violence, like the imagery, we have them, but they're not mm-hmm. part of the museum because we feel like that does not dignify the victims. And mm-hmm. what we decided was to shed light on their lives and who they wanted to be, what their interests were, 
and things like that, how their family wants to remember them, but not the people with like, you know, leading, for example, Mm -hmm. because, um, and I have learned this a lot from like black scholars that Mm -hmm. they have said like black death and disregard of black life Mm -hmm. has turned into a spectacle and like Mm -hmm. a commodity in the U S there's this, a scholar called Sofia Novo talks about this mm-hmm. and that they're used to as evidence they're, they want to be used as evidence in the interest of justice but they serve another purposes you know like mm-hmm. social media platforms and like virality and hypercirculation mm-hmm. gets to a point that they are not in close contact with the actual victims and they are just made uh, and they actually affect them because Mm -hmm. they're like recirculating the trauma. Mm -hmm. So we tried to like fight that a lot with the museum. Uh, Not like we have all the evidence Mm -hmm. uh, saved, but it's not in display in the museum, for example. And everything that is displayed in the museum was made with the consent and the ideas of the victims and the members mm-hmm. of the organization. So we try to center the victims in the whole process, caring not only for their well-being, but how they wanted their their family members to be shown. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important when we talk about the access to archives mm-hmm. and how they can bring awareness. like. It's not just like the punch in the gut mm-hmm. that shows you the child bleeding. Mm-hmm. It's more like this was a complete human being with life and that deserved dignity and that mm-hmm. had dreams and that had joy. And that like there's so many pictures of like the victims, like when they were little, like mm-hmm. just like hitting a piñata or just like, you know, like playing mm-hmm. the drum or whatever that I feel that are more important than just like, you know, like the fact Mm -hmm. of their moment of killing. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that part that you said, I think that's the one that made me the most cry because you go and then when people think of like, oh, you know, as soon as you see and and it shows the victims, they're going to say, oh, how they die and the pictures maybe, right? But in this case, you're reading someone's story. You're re- like seeing their faces of joy. Like you said, like I saw them like some like playing, I don't you know, games or uh, family members and el cumpleaños, ves la ropa, los zapatitos. And you're like, you know what I mean? So te hace como like el corazón tan chiquito because you're like, man. Like, exactly. Because that's when you realize this person is die it's gonna be missed yeah yeah it's going yeah. to be missed is the life was just taken and you're like you know what i mean and that's i think that's the most like important part because yeah you can like i said you can put the like the pictures and but no because like no first of all the trauma of the family you know like thing we need to take in like we need to take care of that victimizing Uh uh-huh because like exact exactly because you don't if that would happen to some of my family i don't want to be seeing those pictures i don't want nobody to see them i don't want nobody to be sharing it you know 
but to remember how like the person that it was you know and how you know it played not only role in the family member but in the community what was why the person wanted to study what like what what the make them happy so i think that this way of doing archives um is a very not only efficient but like a very sentimental and like touch you know te hace sentir porque a veces when people just write how someone died it's just left okay the person died and that's it but if you pones la como la historia como en un sentido más humano and in like you said it's good that you had the consent of the families and you guys took in consideration the families and and created like this entire you know like because each person has their own page you know what i mean it wasn't like chair like this you actually go all down and tells you bio and everything and it makes you know you're fully reading someone's like story so i think is you know is not only important for nicaragua but for others who have might have the same like you know lucha and across the you know the world um for us to remember them as who they were before that last moment mm-hmm. yeah um one thing that I wanted to ask you, and this is the last question, was that, I mean, we never are going to recover those lives. And it's, it's sad. But if we think about how can we stop, how can we not let issues and events like this happen again? I know it, the violence comes from the government and sometimes we might not be able to change them. But how can us as you know, a part of society, a part of the community can stop them. Not only in Nicaragua, but like everywhere. Like that way we don't have those events or those instances of, you know, that get to the kill of many others. Well, this like a process, of mm-hmm. course. And I think what the mothers are demanding, I think it's uh, what it should be centered, which is truth. Uh, mm-hmm. what happened, like investigations, like a mm-hmm. truth commission that actually like researches, because what we have, the amount of information we have is what we could gather, but we're not mm-hmm. like that type of expert that is going to go look at for, a, for, a wit- for the witnesses or mm-hmm. for like, you know, we only gather what families had. Mm-hmm. So like the truth of what happened and then like process of justice in which we have like a special like procuraduría, like uh, uh, an entity that it's special specialized to research this with like international oversight. Mm-hmm. Because like in the in Nicaragua, like the whole justice system is completely controlled by the government mm-hmm. and then guarantees of non-repetition and like reparations to the victims and by Mm -hmm. reparations I mean like a public apology Mm -hmm. that includes recognition of the facts and this is what has happened in many countries that have Mm -hmm. gone through transitions you know like acceptance of responsibility commemoration recognition you know like dates of mourning monuments all these things Mm -hmm. are important because it makes the whole country or like the whole society understand that this was wrong Mm -hmm. right now it's impugned right now it's like 
oh, anybody can do this. Like, mm-hmm. it can come another government and they can do it again, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, unless we have that reckoning, it's going to be hard to change that cycle of violence. And in that process, within that process, the importance is to center the victims and rehumanize them because they have been stripped of their humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is, and that's where, like, the the whole like memory enters like the realm of memory, the importance of memory, because without memory and without like going back, we can move forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, it's important that the museum remains like autonomous. And if, because that's what happened a lot also during the Sandinista revolution, it's like the memory became co-opted by the next government, the memory mm-hmm. of all the lives. So like, how do we become remain autonomous so this effort does not bring all these lives into like the the belly of the state you know back mm-hmm. again for them mm-hmm. to control it but that the victims own that mm-hmm. and um and always thinking about victims as active and not like as passive mm-hmm. think of them like as people that are, are subjects of rights i think mm-hmm. it's really important uh, and the like the overall thing that we should be doing in nicaragua and other places is like rebuild the institutions of the state or even like mm-hmm. you know there's people that don't like, even like the states but like mm-hmm. the most important thing is to like repair the ties within the society because like mm-hmm. families are broken apart you know like mm-hmm. out of dif- these differences and to cre- construct a society where the dignity of the people is respected and there is freedom of expression mm-hmm. and we end this cycle of violence and impunity definitely i think you touched like so many points there so like that even you even think about you know because it's like um, it's not some it's not it's not gonna be as simple of like oh we know it happened and I'm sorry you know it's it's entire system it's entire system that we need to like kind of like cut rebuild and for a better you know generation to not suffer and I really like how you said like we cannot go forward without going back you know like and heal mm-hmm. because that's the other thing that we have tried to do. Like mm-hmm. all this pain and all this suffering is not ours alone. It's the country's, mm-hmm. and we have to heal as a country. Exactly, as a country, and like you said, put those difference. Like it's hard for those who like might have a strong belief on the other side rather than on the side, but those beliefs will like need to stop dehumanizing people. You know, like they, they you cannot see the other side as less because. It, it it is not good like you know first as a person second of all as a country who you know has gone through a lot yeah I'm sorry <laughs> it's good like I, I basically get up and then I don't but I'm trying to hold it mm, you can cry don't worry <laughs> I'm used to like people crying with me <laughs> I'm sorry but I you did know. all the interviews in the museum so really oh my god Oh. Mm-hmm. so I have experience we can cry together don't worry <laughs> but you know I'm I really you know appreciate your work and the work of Asociación de Madres de Abril that has brought 
this museum and English and that even though it closed it closed in Nicaragua because of safety, we know that hopefully soon we can you know be able to have it back because you know I mean it's something that is needed and I really hope soon you guys can have you know time to mourn those loss and to have you know you know heal which I mean heal takes time but um I really hope that people that are you know listening to this podcast I can get closer to the thing um in this episode go check out this museum everything is going to be linked below as in the show's notes and please go read the stories please go read like and please support the museum in, in any type you know share it you know, dile a tu hermana, tu amiga, tu donde sea, because this is going to be the only way we can let to those um, everything what Emilia just said that we need in order to, you know, this never happen again, not even in Nicaragua, but in any type, any region. Definitely. And please um, keep an eye on like the things we'll be doing for April. We're going to mm -hmm. release like these. April, the podcast called Barricades of Memory that will tell the stories of what happened in the first days of April. Mm -hmm. We're releasing this uh, interactive art book with like AR filters that you'll be able to use and see like 3D versions of the altars that we had on display in the museum with all the objects. Mm -hmm. So like really cool things coming up. Mm -hmm. Please Follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, your social media preference will be there. And thank you, Alejandra, so much for your time, for giving space and uplifting voices across Central America. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for everybody. And like I said, it's coming out April. This, uh, this podcast is going to be out on the beginning of April so it's going to be perfect that way everybody go see them and I know April is very important so um now thank you for taking the time to talk thank you for putting everything together thank you for making those interviews and to you know um I mean see you know I, I just I, I I'm just trying to think like you know family selling stories is like it's just hard so thank you for everything and for everyone, please go check them out. I really, please just go check them out. <laughs> if you'd like to support this podcast and my work, you can donate through our website or become a patron. Don't forget to check our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Follow us on Instagram at Simpson Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Simpson Voices Pod. Like and follow our Facebook page where you can join the Central American Voices Facebook group. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're going to continue sharing these episodes as a video format. But don't forget to come back for our next episode.